0: Today's episode is brought to you by Kindred.com. Kindred partners with local churches everywhere to make smart giving a possibility with a simple tap, click, or text. It is a beautifully simple concept.
1: I love the ability to give with my phone because it allows me to be generous even when I don't have cash on me. Uh, Because let's be honest, I never have cash on me. With Kindred.com, it takes that element completely out of the equation and it unleashes generosity in your people by making it as convenient as possible to give. Here's how it works. If you want to give by text, you simply send a text
0: to your church's giving number, and the first time, they'll reply with a secure link to register. After that first time, all you have to do is text the amount you want to give, and you'll receive a confirmation. Kindred also allows you to embed a smart giving button on any page of your website,
1: and you can set up scheduled gifts to occur on a weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly basis. So it really is user-friendly for the people in your church. And it also works on the back end as well. With their powerful tracking system and fast end-of-day transfers, Kindred works hard to make it just as easy on churches as it is for their givers. To find out more about how Kindred can help you and your church, visit Kindred.com and unleash generosity in your church. For our listeners only, enter code SHEEP during sign-up for your first month free.
0: Ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another amazing episode of the Leadership Podcast. The podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Folks, my name's Jared Hogue and I'm joined with the one, the only Roman Ah, uh, I didn't have a good nickname, what? Johnson. What? Oh, I, I, really thought, I thought I thought you
1: prepared these in advance. I, I thought you had a running do. list. I, <laughs> I usually but I, my Evernote
0: <laughs> is chalked full of middle names for you, and right now Man. I'm totally blanking.
1: That's all right. Hey, it's we all have off days. You know, I, I guess so. Cares. I get Roman the farmer, Johnson. What I'm not a farm? I guess No, I'm not a farmer anyway. I was trying to think of a way that I could maybe relate to a farmer, but I'm why did I did. You pause, hold on, hold on. I did Why did you, you out, pause but.
0: for just a second? Like what what
1: made you have to debate if you were a farmer or not? Well, because just uh, two days ago, we had some beautiful weather yeah. and uh, sunshine in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I know this podcast is not about the weather, but Once it was again. great. And so I went out, yeah. I put on some gloves, and I uh, I pruned my crepe myrtles. <laughs> 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 I don't think and, that makes you a farmer. <laughs> it just makes you like a green thumb or something. I had never pruned them before, but for the first time, my crepe myrtles are looking real good
0: other than okay. this
1: other than the song
0: Dad Life that Church on the Move did I didn't even know what a crape myrtle was until I heard it in <laughs> that song. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. They're great. They're great. They're a great uh, shrub or tree. I'm not sure which it <laughs> what, is. What whatever it may be. Uh so what uh what's new with you Roman? Let's uh let's just let's just chat for a minute. What's new with you? Yeah. Uh well, you know, um As far as new, I mean, I pruned my crepe myrtle for the first time, but I've already been over that, Um, (laughs) so that's definitely new. Uh, Other than that, uh, I just saw Moana, the Disney movie. You know, uh, and Disney. Sorry, go on. I really like it. No, I, I, I really liked it. There were some spiritual themes. You know, if you got to be careful about that, obviously, you've got to know where you stand. You know, spiritually, before you go in and watch it, because you don't want to be confused. But it is very good, and I was a fan of Dwayne the Rock Johnson in that movie. You can't
0: not be a fan of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He sings a song. He what?
1: Yeah, sings a song, and it's great. He raps. He even raps. I can't wait to see it. I know. I'm obviously a little late to the party, because it came out like, I don't know, six months ago. But It was good.
0: Well, hey, I'm even later than you because I've still not seen it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You you know, Disney's under all kinds of fire these days with uh, some uh, some stuff going on there with Beauty and the Beast. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. I don't know if the, the rumors are true or not. But I know there's Jared, a lot of- do you
1: think we should inject ourselves into this conversation of Beauty and the Beast? Maybe maybe we should do a whole podcast on Beauty and the
0: Beast. <laughs> you know, I uh, I would be happy to do that, but uh, I am not probably not going to say anything negative about it. My daughter loves Beauty and the Beast. Uh, she loves Belle. She loves the cartoon. Um, I don't know if she loves this new movie or not, but uh, she does love the cartoon. And so I can't have anything negative to say. She loves Disney princesses. And so that means I love Disney princesses because my daughter is the gr- one of the greatest things in my life.
1: Yeah. I love Disney princesses too. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I got my picture taken with uh, with Belle at Belle's Castle in Disney World. Not me. Julianne was with me. Right, right. That would've been it, weird if it was just me.
0: Maybe a little creepy, actually. And now, not only that, though, like you guys have gone dressed up as Disney characters before. You've been uh, uh, Rapunzel and and uh, Flynn Rider. Flynn Rider. I, I yeah. My mom. My name.
1: mom made me a costume that is legit. I mean, it is like she made me two costumes that are legit in my life. One was Wolverine. Super legit. Uh, I, I bear a slight resemblance to Hugh Jackman. It's true. So I went as Wolverine, and I mean, it's like full leather jumpsuit, dope costume. I wore it like five years in a row for Halloween, so it got some good use. But then this last year, or two years ago maybe, she made me a Flynn Rider costume. I mean, I'm talking like made it from fabric scratch, like measured my you know measurements and made the, made the whole thing. It was pretty impressive. Your, she likes to do that. Your
0: mother is insanely talented when it comes to that kind of thing. And you've also been Peter Pan and your wife uh, Tinkerbell, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yep, that's true. That was in high school, actually. It's been a while ago. I'm surprised you remember that. I did wear tights though, and I didn't. I I didn't hate it. It wasn't the worst. Oh, there's so many good
0: things. I wish you wore your tights to trim your crepe myrtle. I like that would have been the only
1: way to make that better. Sometimes when you're wearing tights, they'll the the they'll sag in like the butt oh. and that is just the worst feeling ever. I kind of feel like we should move on now.
0: Roman, no, we've we've got a great interview that is not about Disney, that is not about uh, crepe myrtles or wearing tights. Uh, maybe we could talk about those another time, but we have a a kids ministry next gen ministry legend. On the podcast today, Roman, this is episode 59 brought to you by creativesheep.org. You can swing over to creativesheep.org for all your video and graphic design needs. If you need something custom, hit us up. There's a button you can click and shoot us an email real simple from the site. And we've got a brand new Easter piece available out there called You Are Loved. Go check it out. Once again, that's over at creativesheep.org. Roman, this is episode 59. We have the one, the only brother, Jim Weidman on the show. Brother that's Jim Weidman. Right. It was He's uh, uh,
1: he's, he's, a, he's a very sweet man. He is, he
0: really really <laughs> is, and it was a great conversation. He uh the guy just he's got a lot going on. He does a lot of stuff. Uh, he's connected with Orange at a very high level. He's leading uh, a a uh, a staffing solutions organization that's that's partnered with Orange specifically for uh, NextGen. Uh, which is really, really cool. And uh, he writes books, he speaks, he coaches, he consults. He's been in ministry for a very, very long time. Uh, Jim Weinman joined us. We had a really great conversation, uh, pulled a lot of stuff from his book, Tweetable Leadership, which was a book that he he wrote not too long ago. And if you follow him on Twitter, you're going to get some of these nuggets. And he's just dropping gold nonstop over there. Uh, But, you know, one thing in this conversation today, and I don't want to give away the whole thing, but he talked about the importance of having a scoreboard and and tracking the goals. And this, for whatever reason, really, really stood out to me, so much so that I actually have a scoreboard, actually several uh, for different areas of my life, hanging in my bedroom right now. Uh, that my wife and I use to track different things like our finances, our family, uh, our, our friends, different things like that 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 we like to 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 keep score on so that we know if we're getting better than we were the day before, and uh, it's really really cool and it was really inspired from this conversation. Um, And so folks, I hope you get something out of this conversation, something that speaks to you. Once again, our whole objective here on the Leadership Podcast is to give you super practical information that you can apply as soon as this episode is over, or if you catch something partway through and you just stop listening, but you can go apply it. That's what it's all about. Those steps are what's going to get you to the next level. So Roman, unless you've got something else to add, I say we get to our conversation today with the one and only brother Jim Weidman. Well, Brother Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's an absolute honor to have you here.
2: Man, it is great to be here with you, Jared. I am so excited to... uh... Be on your podcast.
0: Well, thank you, sir. I have had the pleasure of actually working with you. It's been quite a while. Uh, I was one of your volunteers back in the day at church on the move. Believe it, and uh, you know
2: I had one of the
0: cleanest cars
2: in the whole wide (laughs) world because of you too. And I don't know if the people in pod world in the podcast world know. You have detailing skills.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you, sir. I have not talked about that a lot on here, but I do appreciate, I appreciate, honestly, I totally forgot about that. Listen, I got all
2: kind of dirt. I mean, I've got more (laughs) dirt I could use on you. Uh, And you've got a little probably you could use on me, too, uh, (laughs) because... I don't always have a filter. And, uh, so I've uh, tried to use one today, though. So I'm hoping kind of you fun. left
0: it off today. I'm hoping you left it off. <laughs> I, I, I love the unfiltered brother, Jim. Uh, hey, let's uh, not that you need any kind of introduction. Most probably everybody out there listening knows who you are. But hey, give us, give us a little background, maybe the, the two, three minute version of uh, where you are now, what you're doing, as, as well as how you got there
2: yeah the the uh three minute version of the last forty three years uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh grew up in Alabama and went to college in Mississippi, met a gorgeous girl, uh best thing I could find in Mississippi, had a Mississippi baby, worked at my first church, and uh then moved back to Alabama, um, and uh, I had come to Christ as a musician. And um uh, I had just grew up in alabama playing playing in bands and worked at my second and third church there um, and you know it's crazy, Jared. you know sometimes people love to talk about thousands of people they reach my first children's ministry. I had six kids, wow, and uh you know just five five normal kids and a little boy named bubba and uh <laughs> you know it's not hard in Mississippi to have a little boy named Bubba. You, go to the mall and holler, Hey Bubba, forty year old men will turn around and talk to you. <laughs> but uh uh, you know, I got into children's ministry just because I, I came to know the Lord in the Jesus movement. And if when he came to church in the seventies, uh, if you ever did drugs, they put you straight in the youth group. And uh <laughs> so I was just hanging out in the youth group volunteering, uh, and because I had done drugs and uh one day my pastor came and said Jim, uh, the lady that was at Children's Church didn't show up. Grab your Bible, grab your guitar, and go to Children's Church. And um, that's kind of how I got started. I just didn't quit. And still uh, helping kids leaders. leaders. Uh, after that third church in Alabama moved to Church on the Move right before the third birthday of the church in 1990, stayed uh, right at the 20th birthday of the church, and uh got to see a whole lot of growth and a lot of things and got to build. Every weekend, Jared, uh, at Church on the Move. It was the largest church I'd ever worked at. Had no clue what I was doing <laughs> because I'd never done it before. You know, I'd always worked at churches about a thousand to fifteen hundred. When I got to church on the move, it was a church of twelve hundred. When I left, uh, there was a whole lot more folks and Uh, It was just a a wonderful, wonderful 17 years. Uh, I left and started consulting, and uh, I was actually, uh, there was a church I had been working at for two years at Church on the Move that I started consulting with a lot, and uh, they asked me to come on staff, and so uh, I was on staff with them for seven years. Uh, and they grew from five thousand to fifteen thousand and that was a lot of fun too. So uh we had a lot of fun and then um uh, the last three years I've just been doing Jim Wyden Ministries full time, which I told you on the pre call that uh, Jim Widen Ministries is a whole lot of part time jobs. So <laughs> Uh, I coach folks with my Infuse group. I help Orange. I speak at all the Orange events. We're in the middle of Live to Serve and coming up on Orange Conference, and then an Orange Tour. And uh, last year at Orange Conference, uh, Reggie and I, Matt McKee, and some others launched uh, a staffing company for Orange called Next Gen Staff Solutions. And it's just been a blast. And so I coach, I speak. Uh, I consult with churches, and I help uh great orange thinking churches find orange thinking leaders and all we do is next gen stuff, so we only do uh student children's ministry and then next gen or family pastors and uh It has been a blast, and so that kind of brings me up I've got uh two wonderful grown daughters, uh Yancey and Whitney and uh yancey does a lot of children's ministry stuff as well and uh her and cory uh have two gorgeous guys so i am enjoying my grandkids they live here in tennessee with me and sparrow is uh six and then rhythm uh just turned seven month old so I have uh Sparrow Rocket, Rhythm Gold, and as you know, Jared, that's not even the weird daughter. So uh <laughs> you know, uh, uh I'll probably have some I'll probably have some uh grandkids named Clawhammer Watermelon or <laughs> or something really bizarre when Whitney was kid. So uh it's uh, just kinda of fun. Julie and I have been married for thirty eight years. Wow. And man. uh so it is uh exciting. And so we'll have our 39th anniversary coming up in um, November. And uh, I tell you what, God is good to me.
0: Well, that is that's incredible. You just summed up 43 years in, in I think right about three minutes. So I appreciate that. And yeah. when it comes to children's names, I have no room to talk. My daughter's name is Pepper, and my son's name is Cash. So I have zero room to talk yeah, when it yeah, comes to children's yeah. names. Uh, well, you know,
2: Yancey always wanted to name, name a child Cash, but marrying a guy named Richmond, you know, <laughs> they would have thought we were, you know, a little. That's not a good name for the ministry, you know. So, he, you know, Cash Richmond could never really uh, be a pastor, you know, that says all about the money. So.
0: Oh, man, there's so much of what you just went through that I, I can't wait to dive into. I, I, real quick, I got to plug Orange. I, I uh, had never, I, I've been aware of Orange for many, many years. I uh, have actually yeah. been to... Well, you the,
2: know, Reggie, Reggie, we introduced Reggie to a whole lot of churches having him in early on at church on the moon. Yeah. And, uh, that was, that was really, uh, you know, to this day, uh, he said that, you know, being able to speak at, uh, dream conference, know, uh, dream conference, yep. uh, was a big thing that helped launch orange.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. I remember, I I had never heard of him, and I remember sitting in the main auditorium at Church on the Move for the Dream Conference, and he did the gumball talk. They now use marbles for this talk, but I remember him back in the day using the the, the gumballs. And uh, yeah, just incredible. And then now what it has blown up to, I've been to the Orange Conference in Atlanta the past two years. And it is one of the best conferences I've ever attended. And in fact, we, uh, I've since left church on the move as well uh, to help a church plant up in, in New England. But uh, we actually sent, I believe it was about 40 people to the Orange Tour in Dallas uh, it made yeah. it has made such an impact on on the team there at Kids on the Move. So, folks, if you're listening, I highly encourage you uh, to check out the Orange Conference. If you can't make the conference or if it's sold out, check out the Orange Tour. You will not be disappointed. I assure you of that. Um, but brother yeah, Jim, so
2: you can go to what is what is orange dot com, and that'll link you to everything Orange.
0: There you go. What is orange.com. So, Brother Jim, you've you've talked about a lot there. Working at churches, consulting for churches, helping hire for churches, uh, writing for churches. There's a lot in there. And one of the books that you have released, not not in the too distant past, anyhow, was a book called Tweetable Leadership, uh, which is an incredible yep. concept. And if anybody just goes to your Twitter feed uh and just follows you there, you are you just constantly are dropping gold out there. And I I, I just wanted to walk through some of these tweets and uh, concepts from the book and have you just expound on these? Because uh, I feel like, and I, I know for myself, and I, I would imagine that some of our listeners out there feel this way, that as a young leader in particular, um, I'm 33 at the time of this recording, that, you know, I, I'm driven. I, I want to get ahead. I'm constantly thinking of the future and where I'm going, where God's taking me. And and I know in my own personal walk that, the 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 probably the easiest place to uh kind of forgo responsibility, if you will, and I don't want it to sound like I'm a terrible husband or father, but is the home. <laughs> it, it, it's so easy to get caught up in uh success in the career, if you will, um that that ignoring the home, but I've seen firsthand with you, this isn't just something that I've read in your books. I've been to your house. I've hung out with your family. Yeah. Um, I've been to your daughter's house. I've been to. I've hung out with Corey, her husband. Like I know your family, right? and I did back in the day. And so I've seen this firsthand. And so what I love about what you're posting here, and we were talking about this a little bit in the pre-call, is that the beautiful thing about this is that this all applies to leading yourself, leading your family, and leading at work. Well, I specifically want to tackle it, and we can trail off into ministry wherever you feel like you want to go with this. But I just love that this applies to all three. But I really want to take it from the angle of how this applies to leading at home. And remind me one more time before we jump into this, you've been married for how long?
2: 38 years. It'll be 39 in November.
0: Wow. Wow. So you definitely got some experience under your belt. And so if you're okay, brother Jim, I say we just jump right into this and let's just, let's just, let's let's jump in here. This first one that I grabbed was a leader points the way and sets the pace. I know this is a really easy one to think at, at work or at your organization, if you're leading a team or, or whatever it may be. Well, of course that makes sense, but how does that apply to the home?
2: Well, you know, Julie and I sat down a long time ago and we came from two different worlds. Uh you know, she uh uh she came from Beaver Cleaverville, I came <laughs> from the inner city, uh and you know, it's it's one of those things that uh we had two different uh you know, when she turned sixteen, her dad bought a brand new car paid cash for it and wow. it was in her driveway and My parents looked at me and said, look in your back pocket and anything you can afford, you can have. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so what was that going to mean for us? You know, here here are these two becoming one. And we had two different definitions on everything and trying to sit down. And one of the first things that we decided as a couple is we wanted to be a close family. Uh, I know people that aren't. Uh, they love their kids. They're just not close to them. And, uh, we wanted to be close. So that was something we aimed at. And again, uh, you know, here's some of those Twitter things, but if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. And if you don't have goals that you are looking at personally, as well as for your family and, uh, you know, we wanted to be close, uh, and, you know, um one of the biggest mistakes I think young people make in leadership is when they start having kids, they quit working on their marriage. And uh it's all about raising kids and making a living and you know, uh, uh you know, I'm kinda like Beyonce. Uh, you know, if you like it you ought to put a ring on it. And <laughs> I remember why I put a ring on it. And it's mm-hmm. one of those things uh that I believe that Uh, whatever you did to win your wife's affection is what you do to keep it. And so um, we never uh, quit dating. We've always made time for our relationship and we wanted our kids to see us in love. I think one of the greatest things that you can do for your children is let them see you adore their spouse and uh, you adore your spouse. And, you know, you know my son in law, Corey, and I love him with all my heart and I am convinced that he's as crazy about my daughter as I am her mother. And that's you know, that's that's the greatest thing I think that you can do for your kids is desire to be close and then let them see that you adore your spouse. And those are kind of the starting places with us. And, and so we wanted to set that because we know we have there's an end time to, um, when your kids move out, it's, you know, I love my kids and I want to be close, but I don't want them at the house. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're grown, they have their own homes and I love to go over there. And let me, let me tell you, uh, here's what, here's what nobody told me about grandkids. Um, you know, the thing of it is, uh, you know, I've always been told that grandkids are the reward for not killing the first bunch. (laughs) And if you don't kill them, you get these grandbabies. But what nobody told me, it is a joy to watch my daughter be a mother. And it makes me fall in love with my wife even more because I know where she learned great mother skills. And, uh, it is so cool to watch your kids be parents. And that's been one of the most wonderful thing for me, both as uh, a granddad and ministry, as well as a granddad. Uh, I love watching all my Timothys doing the work of the ministry and God using them and getting to be a part of that. Um, I was, uh, on a call this morning With a young man that was in my very first children's church. He was one of those six kids. And his brother, his brother, uh, was one of those six kids. And uh, he's now the president of Master's Commission. And we were talking about, he's running Master's Commission worldwide. And he was in my very first children's ministry in Mississippi. And uh, we were sitting there talking about uh, those things. And you, you just delight in watching God use your kids. And, um, uh, you know, so that's where that's setting the pace. Um, uh, and, and let me say this, this is what bothers me about parents today. I get to work with a lot of parents and have a long time of being an orange thinker. Uh, you know, again, Deuteronomy six, uh, was not spoken to preachers. It was spoken to parents. and uh, But here's the thing that bothers me about parents. Every parent I know wants better for their kids in every area except one. Uh, they want them to make more money. They want them to drive a better car, live in a nicer house. Of course, they want them to have more education, and they're willing to do anything for that. But when it comes to spiritual things, Jared, here's what breaks my heart. We just settle for as spiritual as mom or dad, or we just don't want them to be bad. Most people, most leaders don't have a goal for their children to be spiritual dynamos. And uh, it's not equal to what they want them to do in other parts of life. And for me, this this setting the pace and having a vision for my family. Uh, You know, I always said, if I have a vision for the kids at the church, I need a vision for the kids at the house. And if I work all week making the ministry that we do fun, uh, I don't want my day off to be, you know, my kids go, oh God, dad's home. And I want I want them to look forward to that as well. And again, um, if, you, if you don't plan for it, if you don't aim at it, if it's not a go, if it's something that you're not desiring and working towards, it's not going to happen.
0: Wow, that's really good. So real, like real practically speaking what are some things that you and Miss Julie had done uh for your relationship you said that you guys continue to date is that like a weekly date night yeah. a monthly date night
2: Yeah we we have we have a weekly date night uh especially now uh now that we're empty nesters but it, it's it's date night every day and
1: uh
2: <laughs> uh it's it's pretty cool with me working at home now and uh, I get to eat lunch with her every day uh, and you know, it's, uh, it's just kind of wonderful, um, all the time that we get to spend and being intentional, but I, it, it goes back to t- being intentional, Jared. And that's, that's the bottom line is, um, you know, you've got to desire, uh, whatever if it's one you know, every two weeks or every week, um, you know, but we, um, we just have some no kid talk times where we just look at each other and say, let's talk about us and talk about these kind of things. Um, You know, years ago, um, a pastor that I uh, worked for, he said uh, everybody, and he had been in the ministry 35 years at that time, I've now been in the ministry 43, and so you put those two together, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. I've never had anybody come in for counseling that didn't have one of three areas messed up. And uh, the first is, is your prayer life or spiritual walk. You know, nobody's talking about soul care um, uh, when you're young. Uh, and ministry is like a checkbook. You've got to make deposits before you can write checks. And uh, those spiritual deposits uh, really are the backbone of the strength of your ministry. And you need to do that with your your spouse. Uh, The other thing is uh, you need to have uh, your money under control. And, uh, you know, until Dave Ramsey came along, uh, money was one of those things that you didn't talk about. And... uh, a lot of times uh, people that come in for counseling, either their prayer life, their money life, or their intimacy, their sex life. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that all three of those are important. And I think as any couple in ministry as well as couples out of ministry, uh, you're the, you know, if you're not keeping score um, on in those three areas and talking about those things and working on them, working on those, uh, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to win.
0: Wow, that's really good. I love the idea of keeping score and keeping track in those areas. That's a really big deal. Um, So kind of moving forward here, this is one I really love. This one really stood out to me is that positional leadership is the lowest form of leadership. Give people a reason to esteem you. This has got to be true for the family, too.
2: Yeah. Well, anybody can be a father, but to be a dad, um, that's a totally different relationship. And uh, so many times we correct and we live by, you know, because I'm your father. Uh, And uh, that loving dad uh, and knowing that you can talk to your dad about anything and having that kind of relationship. Uh I remember when Yancy fell off of her bike and uh I just freaked out. You know, she uh you know, she was like five or six and uh skin her knee and Julie just looked at me and said, uh, what are you gonna do with something bigger happens in teenage years if you're freaking out over bicycle wrecks? Mm-hmm. And that's when I really kind of realized that I had to be the kind of dad that they could talk to me about anything. And uh, and I talked to them. Um, you know, you just can't freak out. And especially in teenage years, uh, I would have, uh, uh, you know, my girls uh, would tell me about things their friends were doing or things that was going on. And uh, they knew dad wouldn't freak out dad uh you know could take it and it's one of those things that rather than you know uh the first time I saw some boy look at my daughter the way I uh look at her mother uh you know that freaks you out a little bit and uh it's one of those things that I started realizing I had to ask my girls you know tell me tell me what cute what a cute boy. I don't know what a cute boy looks like. Would you tell me? And, and, uh, I just began letting them talk to me about anything and not freaking out. And, uh, and I think, uh, that's the main thing is strive to be a daddy and earn the right to be called daddy. And don't just say, because I'm your father, or because I said, so, uh, you know, uh, I tried to reward my girls for being where they said they would be. If, if Jesus is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, then why, why do we want to catch our kids doing things wrong? You know, all I know about leading volunteers or being a dad is I want to catch my girls doing things right. I want to catch my volunteers doing things right. And, and Uh, I want to brag on the things they do right. And, uh, you know, uh, you were probably in on some of these, but, uh, you know, after 180 on Wednesday nights and different things, uh, uh, a lot of y'all would all go out and go different places. And There's been cheddars and different things that y'all would all go to. And uh, I didn't do it every week, but there were times that I would go just to make sure my girls where they said they would be and I'd pick up the whole check for the table and uh, you know it was one of those things that I'd write a little note and uh, tell the waitress to give that to them and I'd just say thanks you know thanks for not causing me any problems my my, one of my favorite stories is I was in California on vacation and uh, I went to my very first Urban Outfitters that I ever went to, the girls were you know I think Yancey was seventeen and Whitney was fourteen and uh or thirteen and so I went in there, and this was before tattoos were uh as commonplace and I mean it just looked like runaways on parade. <laughs> uh, everybody there had piercings and tattoos, and it just looked like you know uh it it uh, you know I wasn't in Kansas anymore, I wasn't in Tulsa. Uh, when I was out there, and I remember walking outside and giving both girls a $100 bill and telling them I appreciated them so much not putting me through what each one of those employees had put their parents through. Hmm. And uh, I thanked them for making the choices that they make and being the examples that they were. And uh, it's just being intentional about a relationship. And again, if we work all week to make church special for a group of kids, why not try to make the time that you have with them? And, uh, because, uh, because of my travel schedule, you know, back then I was traveling about a hundred, 150,000 air miles a year doing conferences as well as working at the church. And, um, uh, you know, because we homeschooled our girls, uh, I gave, uh, my wife a day off and I, I don't know of anybody that, that, uh, I've never talked to anybody that ever gave their wife a day off, but if I had one, uh, you know, why couldn't she have one? And so Saturday was kind of my day to, uh, just have the girls. and We did fun in the afternoon and then we went and set up for church. And you know, this Jared, Before I had interns, uh, every job an intern ever did for me, my kids did it. Mm. We did it together, and uh, you know, I always told them, uh, you know, if I was a farmer, you'd be picking something. And uh, (laughs) but but, you know, I'm a minister, and so one of the things we do is we set up and we tear down, and uh, you know, everybody comes to church and think it just magically happens, but they didn't look at this as oh, you know dad's working us uh, because we had free gene Saturday or we'd go and uh, they'd pick where they want to go and we'd go shopping or do something special. uh, And they just looked at it as dad time. And, uh, you know, that's, I I think that's that being intentional that you're going to set that pace and you're going to show the way and that, you know, you are going to, um, earned the right to be called daddy. And because I spent so much time with them when they were little, now they spend time with me when they're big and, uh, it's all paid off. I learned to eat sushi, uh, Mm -hmm. when, uh, Whitney was college age because, uh, you know, I had a better budget and, um, her and her friends would hang out with me if, if I bought the sushi and, uh, you know, you just earn the right, Um uh, uh, when, you know, my girls are as different as daylight and dark and, uh, they've, they've always been different. Yancey met me, you know, Yancey met me at the door and she, uh, it was all work. Uh, you know, uh, about mealtime, it, it was a restaurant. She made a menu I had to order. She expected a tip. Mm-hmm. She'd go back to, when she was little, she'd go back to uh, the closet and sell me my shoes. And we'd play shoe store. And basically, she just worked. You know, she never liked Toys R Us. She liked Office Depot. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that was her happy place. Whitney met me at the door with Naked Barbies. And, uh, you know... Uh, and be, you can tell you can tell where people go to church by how they play Barbie. You know, all all of our Barbies lifted their hands. All of our Barbies got uh, baptized in Pyrex bowls. They weren't sprinkled. Uh, you know, our, our Barbies when you prayed for them, they fell down. Uh, and so again, uh, you know, because I was willing to play Barbie during those uh, high school and college years, when I'd tell Whitney, you know. Remember that stuff we covered on Barbie? Let's cover some of that on you uh and 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 because you spend time with your kids and earn that time that's where that's where that relationship uh goes from just not not having the positional leadership of father, but having the relational leadership as dad
0: man, there's so much good in that so much practical stuff. And one of the things I want to jump back to in there is, and you, you kind of touched on this, but the conversations you were able to have later on didn't just start later on in the high school, junior high college years, those conversations, the very open, candid conversations, started very, very early on in in your house. Am I correct in saying that?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, you know, I was so worried about my kids taking drugs. Um, I don't know if this is a, uh, but you know, here's the thing that dawned on me. You know, uh, a lot of times we talk about, uh, you know, the the devil attacking. But I have noticed over the years that the devil's really not that creative. He's not creative at all. How he attacks a family. Uh, he usually attacks that family through multiple generations. And when I looked at my life, when I looked at uh, my dad's life, uh, you know, you can call it generational curse or you can call it the devil's not creative, but substance abuse was pretty much how uh, the devil had attacked folks in my family. And so if, if we were playing football, or if we were playing basketball and I understood the play from a defensive side, uh sure, I would tell the rest of the team and we'd uh we'd go back and do that. you know, being an Alabama fan, I hate to use this illustration, but in the national championship this year, there was a Clemson linebacker that noticed how folks were lining up, and he was just yelling on the team against Alabama uh saying. You know, saying the number of the player that was going to run and what the play was, because he had watched that so much, he recognized where it was going to come. Well, if you know where the devil's going to attack your family, uh, you need to go ahead and tell your kids about that. And, you know, some people are so busy or so worried about, you know, telling their kids they messed up. Your kids already know you messed up, they know you mess up all the time. And, uh, so it's one of those things that, uh, you have to be able to look at your kids and say, here's an area I've had problems with, this has happened in our family. And, and, and so substance abuse is one of those things that, that you need to be careful for. I was, I was with the, uh, or Julie was with Yancey, uh, the first time she smelled marijuana, uh, uh, you know, I've talked about those things. One of the, this wasn't really great parenting, but when my kids were preschoolers, I made them watch Woodstock because here's actual footage of people on drugs. And, uh, you know, uh, I remember Yancey said, man, the, the sound and the mix is off, you know, being a musician. And I'd say people on drugs can't hear good. And, uh, uh, Whitney, Whitney was my little clean person. Uh, You know, uh, Whitney didn't really play sports. And, uh, you know, there's been a few times, Jared, that you and your family would go play sports and y'all would make Whitney run and laugh. Uh, I I know (laughs) about that. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, Whitney was just my clean freak. So she saw everybody rolling in the mud, getting naked. She goes, oh, I'll never take drugs. I don't want to get that dirty. And so, you know, it's just, I used uh, I tried to use everything when we watch TV and, you know, you've been to my house, we've been watching something and I'd pause it and say, now you guys know you don't have sex till you get married. And, and whatever, you know, whatever I needed to say, um, uh, I would just say it and use those teachable moments, uh, to talk about those things. And so I think that's important that, uh, you know, it's not that you just sit down and say, Now kids, we're gonna talk about this. Uh but it's just as stuff, you know, comes through and goes and uh you know, the girls would oh you know, in the ministry they overhear different things that you're working on and different things and uh just being able to talk and be open and um you know, for me, um uh, probably one of the biggest things Julie and I um we decided, you know, how are we going to do tooth fairy and how are we going to do Santa Claus? And how are we going to do all this stuff? And again, uh, I really, uh, I don't know about you, but when the doctor looked at me and said, it's a girl, my whole view of the American dating system changed. <laughs> and, uh, I realized at that particular time, uh, I needed to raise handmaidens of the most high God. Mm. Uh, And uh, if I wanted them to marry a man of God, not a jerk, I needed to model being a man of God and um, not a jerk. And so um, I, in case I ever had to tell my girls to break up with somebody uh, and, you know, uh, cause I knew there was, you know, having girls, there'd be a possibility. I told Julie, I said, I don't want to lie to them about anything. So if I ever need to play the has daddy ever lied to you card about anything,
1: uh,
2: I wanted to have that card. And, uh, so I, you know, when they were little, and Julie would say, it's going to sting a little bit. And I'd say, it's going to hurt like the devil. Uh, you know, uh. Uh, I would try to let them know it 's going to be painful uh and and uh, and so I could have those tough conversations if I needed to.
0: Yeah, this is, this is outstanding. I, you know, I guess kind of wrapping up this part of the conversation and folks, if you want more, you can of course follow brother Jim on Twitter. I believe it's just at Jim Weidman. Um, you can yeah. g- get the book tweetable leadership, which, uh, brother Jim has been so gracious to allow us to give a few copies away, uh, through the podcast, which we'll have some information on that for you at the end of the episode. And, uh, you know, one of the tweets I saw that, that you sent out, and I love this. And you you summed it up perfectly at the beginning, which is if you want a great family, if you want to be a great spouse, if you want to have raise great kids, you got to have goals. You got to know what you're shooting for. Yeah. And one of the things yeah. you sent out said, let your family be your greatest achievement in life. That can yeah. be something that's so hard because I know that that's deep down what we all want. But I don't think we take the time. I know for myself, I I can speak for myself, myself only, but to take the time to line out goals for the family. And to be honest with you, sometimes it's just because I don't know where to start. I don't know, but I I feel like you've given so much practical information today of showing us where to go start, knowing what you want, and then lining out steps to make it happen.
2: You know, my generation, uh, a preacher's kid or a PK, Uh, uh, they didn't always love the church. And we've come a long way. Uh, I know this year Christmas fell on uh, on a Sunday. And uh, I've just always tried to help my kids not hate the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a rule. and This is just real simple, practical thing. But if any of the kids' birthday fell on Wednesday or Sunday, they got to have a birthday week and so we celebrated the entire week so they didn't feel penalized because uh, their birthday fell on church, Mm -hmm. and uh, now, uh, you know, I'm so proud of uh, churches, and and a lot of people don't like this. I know John Acuff. uh, I get to go to work with him at Orange Events and fly back and forth, and I've, I've learned so much from getting to hang with him from the Nashville airport on and, um, uh, to large events. And, uh, you know, he grew up at, and, uh, and he said, you know, I'm so glad for the churches that don't have, have service on Christmas so they can have family time theirself. And I just think we have to make sure that, uh, our kids don't love the church. Julie and uh or grow up loving the church and don't hate the church. And Julie and I never talked uh about church problems or church situations in front of our kids. We only talked about good things. Uh we made uh you know, we wanted our kids to love the ministry and now both are working in the ministry. Uh Whitney, besides owning your own business. Uh, she helps her sister as well as help me, uh, Yancy and Corey, uh, you know, work predominantly, uh, helping the church, her with music and him now with, you know, big art and different things. And so it's, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure my kids grew up loving God's people and loving the church and, um, that, that, you know that's something that you've got to be intentional about.
0: Absolutely. Well, to shift gears just a little bit here, there's a question we're wanting to uh, really cover with every guest, and you're you're going to be the first one with this, but is what is just in your 43 years of being in ministry, being in leadership, uh, what what is it? maybe a misstep or a mistake that you've made, and how did you recover? Because I think a, a lot of times young people, young leaders think that, a to, that success is just going A to B and it, that it's just real clean. Yeah. It's a straight line of getting there when in reality, that's not the case. <laughs> um, and so yeah. maybe for you, what's a, maybe it's in the family, maybe it's in ministry, maybe it's with one of your businesses. What is uh, like a, a mistake or a misstep you've made? And then how did you recover from that?
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, Jared, in every book that I've written, I've tried to put something about, some of the stupid stuff we've done, you know, in my very first book, uh, children's Master leadership, the, you can do it guide. I talk about, uh, having a, uh, you know, uh, Easter egg drop and, uh, how the pilot ended up losing his license. And there was all kind of just, just some crazy things because I said, we got to go on with the show. Uh, when the, uh, F, uh, the FFA, uh, you know, said uh uh that he couldn't do a helicopter so we did it with an airplane and and there's been those kind of things but i think personally if i could say anything to anybody is uh you need you need to work on your health and that's probably been the biggest thing that that i have fought is uh in your 20s and 30s you're you, you know you're you're trying to um you know just move and be successful and, uh you feel like you're out of time. You know, it's important to put into your family. You want to work on all these things we've been talking about, but you still have to work out. And, uh, I did, i would made some really good steps in my forties, uh, to, uh, I used to play basketball with you. <laughs> uh, you guys were so gracious to, uh, um, you know, let the old guy pl- the lone old guy play. And, um, I started riding bikes and doing some things. Uh, but, uh, I was part of a, uh, uh, 50, uh, it was really a 35 and up basketball league, but we called it the old man's league. <laughs> but in my fifties, um, you know, things started hurting and different things. And I just kind of quit working out and I've had to, uh, you know, I've had to make some some real choices to stop traveling. We talked about this uh, because when I started traveling so much, uh, you know, the first thing I dropped was my personal trainer. And I would just say, if you're out there, uh, take care of your health. Now I'm having to do some things that the doctor's making me. And uh, if I had just through those years uh, – Maintained and made my health and my weight those things a uh, priority. That's probably the biggest thing that I have fought on and off, you know, uh, really since I quit playing team sports. And so, um, I I think that's the the biggest mistake that I tell you to watch out. And again, it's uh, 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 look for ways to monitor. That and um, you know, I know sometimes they tell you don't get on a scale every day, but it really does help me to get on scale every day. And every day I don't get on scale, I'll eat something I shouldn't or or uh, do something. So I'm trying to be deliberate in that and um, working out those things. And that's that's been my biggest struggle, you know, throughout the ministry is just making time. I made time for my family, but that making time to work out, making time to keep your health, that just try to make the healthiest choices that you can, um, you know, at mealtime. And so, um, you know, that's the thing that um, there's a blog post. I don't know if you've seen it on, on com, but it, uh, there's 10 things old Jim uh Wish he could tell young Jim. Yeah, and uh, that—that's—that's uh, uh, that's one of those many things, and it could be the you know twenty-five things or fifty things that uh, old Jim wants to tell young Jim. But um, you know, check that out, and and again, take care of your health. And uh, there's a lot of skinny people that uh, you know you might be saying, "I'm not fat," uh, but there's a lot of skinny people that, uh, I go to their funeral and, uh, uh, at too young of an age and it's just be healthy.
0: That's really good. I appreciate you being so transparent with us and we'll link to that blog post as well as all your books in the show notes. You can go check that out folks, of course, over at creativesheep.org. Uh, brother Jim, if folks want to get in touch with you, uh, or check out any of your books, what's the best way to go about that?
2: Yeah. Jim com is the, uh, home of my podcast. Uh, it's kind of tells you about infuse coaching, uh, all those different things. I now have my own, uh, kind of kidmencoach.com dot is the home of infuse and a place where, uh, folks can learn, uh, from me as well as people I've coached, I've now coached over 500 people and in infuse. And so, wow. uh, we have a kid men coach talk is a blog where there's, uh, 200 blog folks that, uh, are all writing that are people that I've coached. And, uh, so it's kind of, uh, my own little, uh, uh Facebook world <laughs> of just Jim Weidman stuff. And then, uh, next gen staff solutions, uh, uh, there's, uh, my phone number that rings. my cell phone is connected, uh, there. If we can help you with a search of any kind, there's a job board as well. And, uh, check those things out. And, uh, so those are the three main websites, uh, at Jim Weidman on Twitter, at Jim Weidman on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook. I'm uh, at Jim Widman Ministries because at Jim Weidman, they only let you have 5,000 friends, Jared. And <laughs> uh, You know, uh, when you work at big churches, that's not hard to do. And, uh, you know, and so it's crazy how uh, I had to get a second uh, Facebook page, but Jim Weidman Ministries is where I talk about ministry stuff. And so um, that is... Uh, uh, all the wonderful social media worlds.
0: Yeah, folks. So again, go check it out. You can stop by the blog, uh, org, and you can get the links to all of this. We'll have it all lined out for you. Brother Jim, I can't say thanks enough. This was an incredible conversation. Man,
2: i tell you what, uh, I, well, I loved you when you were a kid and I love you now that you're old married grown guy. <laughs> and, uh, it's been fun to, to, uh, you know, uh, that's, you know, that that's the greatest reward is uh, seeing young people make great decisions and growing up and doing what they need to do. And, uh, you know, your next step, uh, and a lot of young leaders are there, uh, if you hadn't read Halftime by Buford, um, everybody that's in that 33 to 35, uh, you can't win a game in the first half. Um you know, Alabama's been proof of that over the last few years and, and um, playoffs and bowl seasons. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's one of those things that you have to get in the second half. And, uh, you know, to get in the second half, it's moving from uh, success to significance. And uh, that's a great book that uh, was one of the game changers for me of, as a young man. And uh, so that's a great read as well.
0: That's awesome. I appreciate the recommendation. And again, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Look forward to staying in touch with you, sir. Hey,
1: everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the Leadership Podcast today. Uh, If you you have any questions or you'd like to connect with us, you can do that on the internet, the World Wide Web. You can find us at creative underscore sheep. Is our handle, uh, and you, you've just, if you just, yeah. I got a question. Maybe you got, uh, maybe you want to see a guest on the show, or I guess hear a guest because you can't actually see us. If you want to hear a, a particular guest? Shoot us our way, uh, shoot that our way on the internet. You know, social medias. And we'd love to connect with you. Jared is laughing at me because I'm <laughs> butchering this outro. But <laughs> again, this show is brought to you by creative sheep.com org if you are liking this show please we would love for you to share it maybe review it rate it on itunes uh and yeah we'd love to hear from you hey we'll see you all next week peace out farewell